What the hell's the name of this thing? Is this Wayne's World? The award-winning Evan Grant. I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, clown number one. Barry Horn. Right. He tried to get me in mid-shoe. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Ballsy wow. Rangers podcast from Surprise, Arizona. I'm Evan Grant, and I'm cheery because I'll be home in about 36 hours, barring thunderstorms. And I'm joined by Kevin Sherrington, who has made it out here for basically the last 36 hours of camp. Kevin, you've been here uh, about 12 hours now. What's your take on camp? Yeah, you know, I've really gotten a great feel for it so far. You know, but mostly I've had to endure the incessant and inane questions that you guys keep asking Jeff Bannister about the 648th guy on the roster. Kevin, I'll inform you that the last guy on the roster could help you win or lose a pennant. But with that said, a lot of roster decisions have been kind of finalized here. Hunter Alberto has made the club as the utility infielder. Uh, No surprise there. No, he's had a great last 10 days. He made the best play I've seen in spring training with a diving grab, anticipating location of a pitch, moving with the pitch, and and being in the perfect place to make a diving grab uh, while he was drawn in and then throw a runner out at home. Uh, He's got very good infield instincts, and as Jeff Bannister continues to refer to him, he's a premium defender. Uh, they've also added both Justin Ruggiano and Ryan Ruin to the roster. A big uh, disappointment for you. Uh, not a big disappointment, but I did think that Drew Stubbs offered this club the ability to, to win a game defensively or with his speed. I think Ruggiano offers the club more offense. And uh, I, as I pointed out to you yesterday, I said this was going to happen because if you're going to keep Alberto on the bench, a guy who's kind of a cipher offensively, he's not going to do much there. You could not have Drew Stubbs as well. A guy, if he got 600 at-bats, might strike out 400 times. Um, yeah, I guess you could say that, Kevin. But <laughs> the point of the matter is that Alberto and Stubbs are both premium defenders, and Stubbs is a premium runner. And this team's not going to pinch hit for anybody. Uh, the chances of them pinch hitting for anybody are very, very slim. But well, uh, if a guy gets hurt during a game, something like that comes up, there, there, there are times when you, you need to have that kind of pop off the there bench. There are, but that's that's one game, and you don't necessarily need to have pop there. But you, again, don't value defense very much, and I do. Oh, um, there's nothing like polarizing this thing. That's not the, that's not the point. My, my thought would be that, you know, if you chose to run for – uh, Fielder or Moreland, those would be the two guys most likely that you would run for. You'd have a guy in Stubbs who could go and, and run. Now, you would have to replace them with a second player, and I think that might have played into the Rangers' decision-making at this point. Uh, but enough about the bench for right now. Let's let's Good. move into the starting rotation. It appears A.J. Griffin, who we're going to see as we're taping this uh, in a couple of hours, has won the number five spot in the rotation. Uh, Not a surprise there either. A surprise based on where I think camp started. I, I think when camp started, this club was looking at at uh, at AJ as more of a long-range kind of possibility, thinking that he'd need some innings. It is a significant, I think, disappointment from this camp that neither Chichi Gonzalez or Nick Martinez stepped up and won 
the fifth spot. Uh, yeah, I, I think that is too. Uh, and uh, you know, I, my my feeling about that was is that Griffin was a veteran guy, and I and I think that the the manager values that veteran presence. A guy who before he got hurt was a very effective pitcher, put up a lot of innings, um, and uh, kind of gets by on on his guile and his control. And obviously, not a power pitcher at all. He's he's throwing a curveball slower, slower, and slowest. Um, and and I I think that. He'll be, I think he'll be okay in the role, the limited role he'll have. Now he's probably, as I, I guess we kind of have uh, figured out, he probably will not be on the opening day roster, uh, but he will be there on, I believe that's April the 8th, when uh, uh, they would need him as a fifth starter. So, yeah, I, I think it, you're right that that's probably the biggest disappointment of camp is that uh, Chichi Gonzalez continues to struggle in his uh, inability to, uh, to have an out pitch, develop an out pitch, something that he can get people out with. Uh, in, and I don't know if, uh, if it's a matter of him not trusting his stuff uh, enough or if it's simply a matter of him not having that ability. Well, I, I talked to an evaluator last night who seemed to have a feeling that this club may have distorted who he was uh, after he got on the fast track. This was a guy who was a slider pitcher wasn't really a sinker baller and I think they've tried to make him into more of a sinker baller and this evaluator's take was that this is just not who Chi Chi is what you look at right now is a guy who just doesn't strike anybody out in the big leagues that's not going to play. Uh, he had he had two strikeouts. In well, if you're going if you're not going to strike people out, you're going to have to be getting a lot of ground balls. Yes, and in he was not getting the same number of uh, listen, you can't get through you cannot get through in the big leagues striking nobody out. And his strikeout rate last year was 4.1 per nine innings. Usually the, the kind of line of demarcation of whether a guy is viable or not is at least five strikeouts per nine innings. Chi-Chi was well below that. He was and almost he, at the bottom of the league, wasn't he? Uh, for the number of starts that he made, yeah. yeah. And then the uh, this spring, not striking anybody out until his last start, uh, and one of those two strikeouts was, was of a pitcher. I think that underscored again for the Rangers what, what they didn't want to see from him. So uh, both so what do you think the long-term prospects are for him then? Well, I, I think, again, this was a guy who was a little bit rushed last year, and, and I think he goes back to AAA, and, and maybe they will allow Chi-Chi to go back to being more of a the, the big breaking ball kind of pitcher that he was and, and let him kind of, of, of reestablish himself, but both he and Nick Martinez can go down there and pitch every fifth day and, and hopefully uh, get to a point where they can be legitimate depth, depth options for the Rangers this year because I still think that as we sit here and everybody in, in, in Texas is, is counting down the days until you Darvish returns, and by all accounts that will be sometime in mid-May to early June, you cannot count on the fact that you'll just need six starters over the course of the regular season. You are going to need more. This team used 12 starters last year. I've talked to guys with other clubs who feel like they put together at the start of the season an eight-man rotation, know that three of those guys are going to have to go to the minor leagues, and they've got a 12-man pool from which to pick from. I I think this club is still a little bit short uh, in that department at this point, and I think that's been the biggest disappointment of an otherwise very, very positive camp for the Rangers. I think we have to feel like that John Daniels is not finished. Don't you think? 
Well, I, again, I, I've, I've talked with, with scouts here, and, you know, you hear all kinds of things in the last week, but the Rangers have been looking all spring for another catcher, and uh, they are continuing to kind of pl- chum the waters a little bit, see if there is if there is a legitimate starting pitching option out there. Uh, and I will say this, if you, if you got another starting pitcher, after you add A.J. Griffin to the roster, you can then option A.J. to the minor leagues. He's got minor league options left. Then all of a sudden, if you're looking at a minor league rotation that's got Griffin, Martinez, and Chichi, maybe by midseason one of those guys is another option if you run into an injury. But we still have this situation that the Rangers faced last year, which is early in the season, what do they do if they need if they need depth options? You know, I, I have to feel like at this point, and I know it's awfully early on Chi-Chi still, but um, I'm just wondering if the club is is beginning to lose a little faith in him. And if if it were to come up in a deal, let's say at the trade deadline, and uh, and he was, you could put him in a deal uh, for whatever they felt like they needed at that point. I think they'd do it. Uh, well, I've been told I've been told different things about last year on whether Chi-Chi or Jake Thompson uh, was the piece in the in the Cole, a piece in the Cole Hamels trade uh, so I, I haven't gotten a definitive answer there but from a stuff perspective when I talk to guys you know I think Thompson carries more stuff and that really throws harder yeah and that is a thing that I think that this club in the makeup of the management staff here, I think they they value stuff more than, than guile at this point. Well, I think you certainly saw that after what happened with the bullpen last year, right? They broke camp and you had all these Frisbee tossers uh, in the bullpen and it was a disaster, you know, a complete disaster. So they go out and then they get Dyson and Diekman, you know, at, uh, at the trade deadline and that completely changed the complexion of the team. I think that that you know, as, as great as Cole Hamels was and, 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 and is, and that was a tremendous addition, and I campaigned for it tirelessly, uh, I think the fact that they, they shored up the bullpen with those kinds of arms is what made all the difference. And that, and that and they, they continued to do that. Dyson and Beaton put the bullpen over the top. I think that from the moment that they moved Tolleson into the closer and gave Kella a more prominent role, you know, this, this bullpen was, was evolving. But, yeah, as they started the season – it was it was not a good bullpen. It was a liability. They finished the season with what was a very strong bullpen. And they go into Ryder strafed and hit the deck. We're being strafed. And Kevin said, "Why don't we go talk out by the sun in the sunshine?" <laughs> and I said, "Okay, Kevin." Um, well, this, other than that, it's nice out here. This bullpen is should be a real strength for this club and. If anything, the Rangers have too many one-inning guys right now, and, and that's been one of the problems on how they construct the roster. they got so many one-inning guys. They've told Tony Barnett, who has pitched as a, pretty much exclusively a one-inning guy in Japan, and here that he's made the roster. He's been very impressive this spring. No walks, 12 strikeouts in nine innings. Uh, Andrew Faulkner, a left-hander, has made the club. He's a guy who can give you two innings, maybe stretch into three. But he's also had a very, very impressive spring. The Rangers have one last decision to make, and that is what they'll do for another multi-inning guy, at least for the first couple of days of the season, until they potentially add Griffin. You've got Sam Freeman, who's out of minor league options, the, who's from, from Carrollton and Hebron High School. You've got Phil Klein, who has minor league options. And you've got left-hander Cesar Ramos, a veteran, who is on a minor league contract. So you've got three guys to pick from, and in all likelihood what you do is is one of those guys will have to come off on April 8th when, when, uh, 
when Griffin is activated. Do you think this rotation as it stands right now is a strength for this club? No, I, I don't. Uh, not not until you get Darvish back and know what he, where he's at. Uh, and, you know, Hamels has struggled a little bit this spring, and that's to be expected. You know, I, I don't think there's any uh, concerns there. And, and, you know, I think Colby Lewis has, has struggled a little bit, but I don't think there's real concerns there either. But, uh, you know, and I'm writing my column uh, for Wednesday talking about Derek Holland. I mean, you know, one of the most polarizing figures in this clubhouse. You really like to use the word polarizing. Polarizing, yeah, yeah, you're polarizing me. I don't right think now. he's polarizing in the clubhouse. No, 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 not in the clubhouse. He's polarizing in the community, in the, in the fan, among the fan base. There's no, it's him and Elvis and, and Josh. Those are the three guys that the fans are either love or hate. Right. And, and, and I think the, the difference uh, between him and those other two guys is that Josh is not a factor. I don't believe Josh, Josh will be a factor on this team this year. If he is, then that's been good for the Rangers uh, and good for Josh. Uh, I think Elvis could play just like he did last year, and the, and the team's chances won't be any different. Uh, and, you know, and, that, and that's not necessarily good if he plays like he did last year. Uh, but I think if Derek Holland does not come back with the kind of year that they have always seen for him. He, he cannot pitch. They simply can't have the same thing that's happened to him the last two years with injuries and the, and the ineffectiveness and the inconsistency that he's displayed. He's had two pretty good outings now in a row. Uh, and, and I well, think until the Grand Slam, until the Grand Slam, everything was going great. <laughs> Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how did you like to play? Uh, but he did. Uh, let's. He had nine consecutive scoreless innings. Uh, was aggressive and um, uh, pitched really, really well. Got a little bit of a break last night when a when a close call was ruled a foul ball after first being ruled a home run. And that's but, been an issue for him is giving up home runs. He, can, he can't continue to do that. Obviously, we saw what happened against Incoming! <laughs> oh, baby. There's nothing like seeing those big jets flying over. Uh, you know, we saw what happened last year in the playoffs against Toronto when uh, when it really went bad and, and he was giving up home runs. Now, that happened uh, uh, last night, uh, you know, against the Dodgers. Uh, although that inning was extended by a couple of bad plays by Drew Robinson at third base. He, he should have been out of the inning. But that's part of the deal, you know. And that's That's been Martin Perez's problem, too, is that when things go wrong out here, how do you put that behind you? You know, and I, and I talked to uh, – to Jeff Bannister a little bit about that because one of the things that Holland did last night name dropper yeah that was encouraging uh, about uh, you know uh, Derek Holland's performance was he felt like that his fastball was erratic early in the game and uh, and as as you know you can't say last year to Derek Holland because he automatically cuts you off. We're not talking about last year. But if you don't put the last year in there. He'll then talk about last he'll, he'll year. He'll talk about it last year, yeah. He'll, it's he'll, a way to fool him. Yes, it is. Uh, yes, it is. And, and you know, the, the, the question came up, you know, and he said, uh, admitted that, you know, sometimes I've let these things snowball on me uh, when, I, when, I, when I don't have something working well for me. And, and you know, he feels like he's been asked to, to do things he doesn't want to do. He doesn't want to throw his change up. You know, he wants to throw his curveball and his fastball and, and, and work with that. Uh, so, you know, uh, I, I really believe if, if Derek Collin does not come through and, and put up 180, 190, 200 innings. If he doesn't win, you know, 13, 14 games, that this team is really going to struggle because I, I still feel like Martin Perez is still not quite ready. I just don't. He, he may have a big breakthrough season this year, but we have, we have just. I, I feel like he is not mentally tough enough at this point. Well, and I, I, 
I disagree with you in that I think that Perez will really establish himself this year, and I do think that I think he has gotten a lot better at controlling the emotions and the flow of the game. There's still times when things are going to blow up, and and it did this know, spring, just in his last in his, in his last, last start. start. Yeah. He's he's also 25 years old, and and again, you know, missed a year and a half, and and so that development has not been as linear i guess as you would like but i think that he has made he's made significant strides and i see a guy who does appear to be um not that this was ever a guy who joked around exceedingly much or anything but i do see a guy who seems to be more driven and more purposeful. we're talking about perez or holland now we're talking about perez in that case yeah holland look derek's always going to have a personality that in the best of moments you feel like oh my god he's got such a great perspective that he doesn't take anything too seriously and in the worst of moments you're going to say why does this guy never know how to shut it off uh but the bottom line on Derek is if he can be a reliable middle of the rotation starter and I don't think that's asking too much no but it is clearly the x factor I think on this staff if he can be reliable and the one thing you you can say about Derek Collins at this point in his career is Reliable is not a synonym for him at this point in time. No, it's not, and, and you know, and he has to be that because, you know, if if everybody comes back, if, if Darvish comes back in in May or June, and it is is what we kind of expect of Darvish, and then if Hamels is Hamels and Colby is Colby, then the, then those are three pretty good starters. Who are you going to campaign for them to trade for this year? You know, I don't have anybody this year. Uh, I, How about Sonny Gray? I know that you've, you've really pushed Sonny Gray. Uh, and, you know, uh, Billy Bean has done everything he can to destroy that organization with uh, getting rid of all the all his really good players. players. All his good players. <laughs> all his really good players. It's unbelievable. And, and you know, I, I think. You're going to make a movie about him someday. Yeah, I think, I think back to last year when, when we saw a lot of riders picking the. Picking Oakland like third in the division, you know, and I thought, how can you see Oakland being third in the division with the way that that roster has been gutted? Because everybody believes so much in Billy Bean, and I think now he finally realizes that he's no miracle worker. He's a he's a really smart guy, and he's done a really good job with the limited resources that he has there. But he's he's not making radios out of coke or coconuts out of radios or whatever it is. I'm trying to say that yes, uh, radios out of coconuts. Radios out of coconuts. That was yeah. that the professor did that. Yes, in Gilligan's he did. Island. No. Yeah, he did that, but he could not fix a hole in a boat, though. Yeah, I know. That's uh, amazing. It, it, yeah. I don't know how those guys never got He could make an engine. Yeah, that's right. But he can't a fix a hole prongs, in the boat. But, no, no hole in the boat. Uh, Kevin, let me ask you a question. What Go has ahead. been uh, your favorite thing here at spring training so far? Since you, since you kicked and broke that garbage can in there a while ago in the media room? What are you talking about? Yeah, that's apparently the second time you've attacked – Rangers property during this Ranger spring training. It's a very flimsy garbage can. <laughs> Does that make it better? Well, it wouldn't. I, I wouldn't have kicked it the second time if it hadn't already been shattered pretty much the first time. And, By you? Yes, and you know I'll, I'll pay John Blake for another Target trash can. I suppose at some point in time. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold you to that. Uh, I think it's very unprofessional of you to do that. But if I'm going to pay him, I'm taking that trash can home. Are you? Okay. Yeah, get that get that on the plane. That'd be great. Kevin, you wrote about offense the other day. Yes, you're, I did. You're pretty pumped about this offense. There is nobody that I am more uh, intrigued by at this point in time than Rugnet Odor. That is correct. Uh, I believe that – I'm going to give you a stat that from the time that Rugi came back last year in the middle of June until the end of the season, his OPS was the exact same – as Carlos Correa's. 
He's seven months older than Carlos Correa. Alex Rodriguez said this week that, that Carlos Correa should be included in the big three with Bryce Harper and Mike Trout. And I understand that Correa is a better defender at a what is considered a more premium position. Right. But I'm going to tell you that before the end of this year, I think that people will be talking about Ruggie, at least from an offensive standpoint, on the same pla- on the same plateau as Correa. I don't think the expectations nationally were the same, obviously, for Odor. You know, everybody was anticipating you know Correa come, coming up. It's easy up. to see a number one one yes, having high expectations. You know, and Bryce Harper the same way. You know, these were guys that have been on the radar for a long time, and Ruggie was not. I mean, he was not even number one in this organization. You know, it was all about Profar, right? And then when, when Odor, then when Profar got hurt and or, Odor came up and took over at second base, and then you, you heard, well— At the age of 20, rushed. Yeah. Yes, and then there was, okay, yeah, here's a guy that, yeah, he, he may be even better than Profar, you know, offensively, and, and that's kind of the, the tentative kind of thing you heard. And, and then, you know, he, he struck. I remember in spring training last year, people were asking Jeff Bannister about Odor, and he was saying, hey, let's slow down on all this. And it was it was interesting to me that he was not wanting to go there. And then that, that, that proved to be pretty prescient because, you know, during the early in the season, he's hitting, what, 144 when he got sit down? Yes. And, and so uh, he, he goes down, and it's because he's trying to pull everything, and he, and he goes down, and he makes adjustments, and he, go, and he goes the other way with the pitches, and a much, much better approach, a, 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 a complete turnaround, comes back, and in 120 games, he hit 16 home runs. I mean, that's, that's phenomenal for a second baseman, you know, to be hitting a, a, you know, 16 home runs in 120 games. So I'm thinking, you know, and I, and I wrote that in my, my column for today, He's not going to do it this year. I think he has the potential to be a 30-30 guy. Now, the 30 stolen bases are pr- probably pretty problematic because he's not a good base runner now, or at least he hasn't been a good base runner. He is fast. He has not yes. been a good base runner. This spring, he is 3-for-3 three three on steals. Uh, he and I talked about this uh, in a very timely way the night that he ended up hitting three home runs, and I had to have an early column done. I, I wrote about his, about, you base running. about um, his base running. You talked about his base running. So that's a little insight into the highfalutin world of newspapers <laughs> is you got to write something, and then when something completely happens, you just say, change all the stolen bases to home <laughs> Change all those navies to armies. Uh, but he he did talk about the – that he's had some conversations with Elvis about understanding better pitchers' moves and times and things like that. And and he explained that, look, in the minor leagues, I just went whenever I want. What I think is most significant is if you look at the information from ACA Sports, which is Bill James' outfit, you look at that and their times on first to second, Ruggie was faster than Delano to Shields and that's by a, a hundredth of a second. That's yeah. a remarkable uh, stat to, to- because you know you watch Delano run and you just you, you he's so smooth and uh, such a beautiful runner that you get that with him and with Ruggie you, you what you what you sense from him is that here is a guy uh, with tremendous uh, potential I, I see him to me I, I see him as another Joe Morgan I, I think he's I think this is a guy who's going to steal a lot of bases who's going to have some real pop uh, and and he is uh, you know he's an instigator you know. He's the Woody Woodpecker. Isn't that what uh, isn't that what they said on Seinfeld? He was a uh, that Woody Woodpecker was an instigator. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, here's one thing that I've also found interesting about Odor this spring is he has hit 
uh, first, which is the reason that I wrote about base running the night that he hit leadoff. But he's hit leadoff a couple of times. Last night against the Dodgers, he hit third, and he's hit seventh. Which uh, and let's talk about last night when he when he went oppo for a three run home run. Yes, that, he did. And that's just the thing that they want him to do. Go the other way. He's going the other way with a ball that was that was clearly out of the park against a really good uh, young left-hander. Yeah, he hit a, a lefty, uh, two-out, three-run home run after Elvis took a walk, going the opposite way against lefty Alex Wood. And, and there's so many superlatives that you could just add after each one of those kind of descriptions in that sentence that he hit the, he hit the ball the opposite way, that he hit it off a lefty, that you know he made the most out of a two-out opportunity. All those kinds of things are, are the things that really stand out. And he did that hitting in the number three spot last night. And, again, I think that before the end of the year, uh, you will see this guy hit in a number of spots in the order and, and very uh, disparate spots in the order. The top. Disparate, we like to say. Uh, and, and I think you're absolutely right. That, the question for me in this lineup is that how long can you keep him down there? How long can you keep him batting seventh and eighth? How long can you bat him behind Elvis? I mean, in my mind, Elvis has got to be about ninth. Well, I think you, there are some there are some permutations of the lineup in which you could, you know, if you hit Beltre fourth, if you go two, if you go yeah. uh, DeShields, two, Fielder, Beltre four, uh, then you have Desmond, uh, I'm sorry, a lefty five, mm-hmm. then you've got Desmond six, and Odor sitting there at seven. Now, on one hand, that's that's a really really deep lineup. On the other hand, it is this guy could be as good a hitter as you have, and under the metrics that we like to use today, you know, it's not rocket science to say you want your best hitters getting the most plate appearances. And absolutely, he's going to have more limited plate appearances if he hits seven. I don't, you know, I I, I get the fact that you don't want to let listen. Let's not get in over our heads here, and let's not put too much pressure on the kid. He's he's performed very well. You know, deeper in the lineup, you know, it's a, it's a much different animal hitting third or fourth or whatever you want to do with him. Uh, but I think he can hit in any of those spots in the first four. Well, I, I do think what it speaks to is, again, this lineup is versatile. I keep saying again. I'm like David Moore. It is sound like David Moore. Again. But this lineup is versatile, and they've got a lot of different ways they can go. Uh, with the bench, you know, I would love to have a real defensive plus outfielder. But you have the ability to move Desmond to center, play Ruggiano or Rua in left field if you want, uh, and that might give you a a better a better look against some tough righties if you wanted to give the Shields a day off against tough righties because he did struggle against righties in the second half of the season. And you've got some other options on those days that you want to give the Shields a day off to hit leadoff and to, and to change the lineup and to still be able to score runs. And, and this this roster. This, this is why I leave this camp with a very optimistic feel. Yes, there are questions about the, the, the depth and the starting rotation, and that's always going to be problematic. But this team is deep. Uh, there are prospects at the minor league level who performed exceptionally well in spring training, who I think if they run into position player issues during the season could be, could be real answers. Uh, the, big, the big question is going to be if they run into an issue, if things don't go as well as they'd like with the starting rotation, how do they fix that? I will say this. John Daniels last year found a way to fix it in midseason, found a way to go get the big, big fish, and I think they've got the, the currency this year that if they need to make a similar trade to do so, also have the currency that if they want to, if they're playing well, 
and they want to to put themselves completely over the top because if you go out and get a top half of the rotation pitcher whether it's a gray or a bailey or even a chris sale you get that kind of guy and you do have hamels and darvish you're looking at a, at a team that, that is running out a top three uh, for a postseason series that's just going to be indomitable. Yeah, I, I think that there's 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 a lot of potential for it. I just think that over the course of a long season, when you do need that fifth and a sixth and a seventh starter, I think that that's the concern for, for the Rangers at this point. It's a little bit – they're coming out of this spring, to me, in the starting rotation, a little bit like they came out with their bullpen last year. You know, that it, it, it's just not – this is not where you want to be. And, and I think that the, I think John Daniels is working on that. He's checking some things out. And we'll see what happens with all that. And that's why it's so imperative that veteran, a veteran to me like Holland has to really come out of spring well, has to be – Holland it, and Perez have to pitch well in April. And there, there's no yes. question about and, that. And, again, you have to eliminate all the lingering concerns, just like we talked about. Elvis has to put away that final game. And, you know, and, and, and I think Elvis will. Well, that's just the kind of kid he is. But but Holland has to also put that, that away as well. You know, he, he cannot come out and, and give up, you know, a couple of, uh, you know, two or three run dingers in a game and, and uh, put them out of reach. Kevin, you know, we're 28 minutes into the podcast today, and there hasn't been any whoa from Barry. <laughs> no one-liners from Barry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or, or, or eating a, a cookie. No cookie eating. I, I mean, it's. it's I, I, it's almost been pleasurable to be with it's you. Been, it's, it's been really nice as far as that goes, you know, except for that garbage can thing. Well, the gar- nobody had to see the garbage can thing. It That's was true. That's true. An ugly side of me. That it was. It was an ugly side. Nobody really needs to see it. You, you asked me, though, what my favorite thing has been about the spring so far, and, uh, and I had to say that there hasn't been one thing I liked. <laughs> Not one. Not even me. No, no, certainly not you. And I will say this: you know that that house you got for us in, the, in that in that in that bed I got in there. I kept rolling off the mattress onto the floor during the night. Does that does that say anything to you? Is there something maybe the matter? Kevin, uh, based on our accommodations the last few years, I really wouldn't <laughs> complain about this house. Last year, when the furnace went off, it was going like a hundred miles an hour. It was over a hundred degrees in the. We did walk back <laughs> in the house and check the thermostat. <laughs> And it was, it showed zero two. And it's like a radar gun. That means it's actually in triple digits. And it, I mean, it wasn't even like that the air conditioner had broke. It's like that the it was going heater had to nothing, turned boy. on blowing hot air throughout the house. Oh, my gosh. I, I knew it was a bad sign when I when I grabbed the, uh, the, the door handle and it was hot. I there was thought, a back. <laughs> there was a backdrop here. I thought it, it occurred to me: if I open this door, am I going to get blown back across the garage? You know, maybe that wasn't a good idea. That was. It was certainly a memorable. Night. <laughs> yeah, it was. Not as memorable as the time that you ended up having to sleep in your car, waiting for me to. Uh, yeah, that was pick a up great. That was in Port Charlotte. That was always, that was a lot of fun. You know, uh, for for you know listeners who may not know, Evan is a little bit hard of hearing, and uh, and that so in this particular night, he hadn't told me where. The, uh, the condo was that we were staying. He just said, just give me a call when you get in and I'll give you directions. And so uh, I got there and had my rental car and, and I called Evan and the phone just rang and rang and rang and rang. And it, he never picked up uh, and he never answered. And uh, and so I spent the night in my car in a, in a church parking lot in Port Charlotte. And, and, th- and then the next morning I found out what the deal was is that Evan had taken his hearing aids out because you know, it was really bothersome having to hear things. So, you know, that was one of my more memorable uh, spring training nights. Well, Kevin, I'll, 
I always enjoy being with you. I just want you to know that. Um, it's always fun, Evan. We always have a good time. And as long as you've bought that story about the hearing aids for all these years, <laughs> no problem. Yeah, just let that one go. Well, all right, we didn't have a special guest this week because training camp is uh, really rolling to a close here, and, and we've kind of been running back and forth different places. And Evan has alienated everybody here in camp, so no one wants to talk to him anymore. That's not true. Um, all right, there's probably two or three people. The clubhouse guy. Richie Rice, he'll talk to you. Richie Rice talk to anybody. He's a nice guy. But yeah. we will we will be back with Barry uh, for our big opening day special, hopefully next Monday. Uh, and we will have uh, a, any slew of guests over the course of the regular season. Don't despair just because you had to listen to me and Kevin alone breaking down the Rangers today. Make sure you subscribe to uh, the Ballsy podcast as well because that's what they've told us. They've told us if you want to keep listening to this podcast, you're going to have to start subscribing because – they're going, to, they're going to decide at some point that uh, Evan and I uh, are out. Our lives depend on I, it. Pretty much. Pretty much. It's, it's not a big deal. but I have, it, it will be a public execution. I yeah. I, I have two kids still at home, and uh, they would like to go to college. They'd like to be fed and clothed. So if you would sub- subscribe to this podcast, it would really help a lot. And you can find us uh, if you search Ballsy Podcast. That's B-A-L-L-Z-Y. Z-Y. That's with a Z. Z and Zebra. Ballsy Podcast on the iTunes store or the Android store. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Ballsy Podcast and uh, at Facebook on Ballsy Podcast. And look, even if you don't really want to listen to the podcast, subscribe anyway because really our, our lives do depend on it. Yes. Uh, essentially, we're dead without it. We, we will see you next week. Take care, everybody. Bye.